Should you invest in the new NSNI bond? Why investing in frontier markets could be less risky than you think? And climate changing returns. I'm Kate Bealey, Deputy Personal Finance Editor, and this is the Personal Finance Show. So it pays a market beating rate of 2.2% for three years, but it's already lagging the rate of inflation. Should you buy the new NSNI bond or hang on for something better? And is there a better way of getting a good rate on your cash savings? I'm here with Rachel Winter, Investment Manager at Killick & Co. So, Rachel, the new bond, it's called the NSNI Guaranteed Growth Bond, pays 2.2%. Savers can pay in between £100 and £3,000, um, open to anyone over 16. Now, on the face of it, this is a very competitive rate, isn't it? And it's better than you can get elsewhere? Yeah, definitely. It's very high in relation to what other ISAs and what other cash accounts are paying. But as you say, it's definitely below the rate of inflation. So anyone putting money into this will be losing money in real terms. Do you think that makes it less appealing over the long term? Difficult to say. So if you need to have money in cash, I think this is one of the best options available. But you do need to be aware that if you are investing in this, your savings are not going to be keeping up with the rate of inflation. So if I put £100 into this and I wait a year, after a year, the purchasing power of that £100 is not going to be as high as it was at the beginning of the year. OK, and we should say that uh, the rate of inflation currently running at 2.3%, isn't it? And that was actually announced and that's CPI inflation on the same day as this bond was announced. How much would you stand to lose then in real terms if, if inflation does keep rising? So for these savings accounts, we'd look at two different types of interest rates. So firstly, we'd look at the nominal interest rate, and that's just the rate that the account is paying. So in this instance, that's 2.2%. And then we'd also look at the real interest rate, and that's the rate of interest that you're getting over and above the rate of inflation. But here we've got a rate of inflation that is above the interest rate being paid by this account. So actually, you're losing money in real terms. Mm. Um And what is the outlook for inflation, do you think? I mean, the consensus is 3% inflation by the end of the year, isn't it? Yes, and I think that probably is fairly accurate. So already we're at 2.3%, but I think over the next few months we will suffer from what's called imported inflation. So the UK is quite a big importer as a country, and because we've seen such a big fall in our currency, that means that we will be paying more for things that we do buy from abroad. So that will cause inflation. Okay, and you mentioned some kind of factors there, but what is driving this inflation number? Is it mainly weak sterling? Are there other things pushing it up? So the weak sterling, that has caused quite a sudden spike in inflation. So that's happened since the Brexit referendum last June. But we've also got some longer term factors. So, for example, the interest rate in cash savings accounts, that has been very low for a number of years now. And I think that has discouraged people from saving. And it's also encouraged people to spend. And also it has become more easy for people to borrow money. And they've also been able to borrow money at cheaper rates. And again, that has pushed up the level of demand in the economy. And I think that will lead to more inflation over the longer term. Okay, but there are also reasons to think that inflation will not keep rising, I'm assuming. Possibly. So... As we said, one of the reasons for the recent increase in inflation is weak sterling. But since the UK election was announced um, earlier this week, we have seen a sudden strengthening in sterling. And if that continues, then the value of inflation over the longer term could be a bit less than what's expected at the moment. Okay, so for those thinking about this bond, how much should you be worrying about the inflation number or what the inflation number looks like now? I mean, even if inflation did rise to 3%, Feasibly, it might fall back within three years. You could have some time to generate an inflation beating return. How should people kind of approach thinking about this? I think they should certainly be aware of it. But for some people, they need to have money in cash. And if this is the best cash interest rate available, they haven't really got any other option but to go for this. So... 
you're right in saying that this rate of this rate of interest, sorry, is not beating inflation. But for someone who needs their money within the next two to three years, it's not appropriate for them to put money into the stock market. So for them, I think it is right to keep money in cash. Okay, and just how does two point two percent compare to the kind of rate you could get, for example, on instant access, ISA? I had a look this morning, actually, and there's not a huge amount of difference being offered between cash ICEs and cash instant access savings accounts. And the best ones available, apart from this NSNI bond, are around about 1.05%, so very low at the moment. Mm. And I mean, what do you think generally about this idea of tying up your money for three years? And what are the main risks of, of doing that? So the main risk is if you need your money back within that time and you either can't access the money or you might get penalised for withdrawing the money early. And then you've also got the opportunity cost. So if within that three-year time period we do see quite a significant rise in interest rates elsewhere, you might see some other accounts arising that do pay a much better rate of interest. But you won't be able to access that because you've locked up your money for three years at a lower rate. Do you think that's wise to tie up your money for three years now? Would you be too nervous because of you know that potential for rates to go up? You've just got to consider is the difference in interest rate that you're receiving in order to tie tie up your money for that long, is that compensating you enough for tying your money up for those three years? Mm, okay. And, and what are other rates like on on those kind of three-year bonds and things like that? How Just how far is the difference? I think this is much higher than other cash accounts available. But actually, the word bond does apply to quite a few different things. And I think it can get quite confusing. So this NSNI bond, it's really just um, applying to a cash savings account. But then you've also got um, certain types of debt instruments, like government bonds and corporate bonds. Those are completely different to what this NSNI bond is. And they can offer slightly higher rates of return, albeit with a bit more risk. And sticking with cash, you can actually get a better rate, can't you, than 2.2%, but you would have to tie up your money for five years. So Icano Bank, and that's the challenger bank from the same people that bought you, IKEA, um, that based 2.35% on a five-year bond. I mean, what do you think of that kind of risk profile in terms of that opportunity cost? To me, it doesn't really sound worth it. So you're tying up your money for an extra two years and you're getting an extra 0.15% per year compared to this NSNI bond. So for me, it's not worth tying up your money for an extra two years. To me, that rate is still very low. And five years is a long time. We don't know what could happen. And I would be astounded if interest rates aren't higher within the next five years. Mm, So do you think three years is kind of the max uh, that people would be wise to consider currently? Depends on the person, depends what you're investing for, what you're saving for, and when you need the money. But from my point of view, I think five years would be too long for me. Okay. And you did mention earlier um, the kind of criteria, I guess, for for if you need to hold cash. What what kind of person do you think does need to hold cash? What should be the rule? Someone who needs their money within the next two to three years. So for example, someone saving for a house deposit. Uh, For that type of person, I wouldn't want to put money in the stock market because it's too risky. So for that type of person, I would keep money in cash. And also someone who's incredibly cautious. So if, if having your money in the stock market is going to keep you awake every night, then the stock market's not right for you. And something more cautious like cash is a better option. Okay, but let's, so let's think briefly about the stock market, though. If you are wanting to beat the rate of inflation, cash just isn't cutting it. How can you do it with investments? Do you have to look to equities now for inflation beating returns? Not necessarily. That certainly is one good place to look. So on the FTSE 100, the yield at the moment is about 4.3%. So that is much higher than the rate you can get in various cash savings accounts. You could also look at commercial property funds. You could look look at infrastructure funds. And you could look at some shorter dated corporate bonds, which are paying rates of interest that are above the rate of inflation. And would those be the kind of only bonds? I mean, what are we 
seeing now with with the kind of return you can get on the on bonds generally? Depends on the risk of the bond. So a UK government would be one of the lowest risk types of bonds, and with those at the moment, the returns are very low. So for a ten year government bond, the rate of return is barely over one percent per year. So that's not beating the rate of inflation. To get more return, you need to take a bit more risk, and you need to put money into something like a corporate bond. Okay, and what about、uh, low risk when it comes to equities? What what are the kind of lowest risk equities that you think you could beat inflation with? So I would say there's no such thing as a, a low risk equity. So even. The biggest, most stable companies in the FTSE 100, they lost more than 40% of their value in the last financial crisis. So I don't think it's fair to call them low risk. But for someone needing to beat inflation, I think you should have a diverse portfolio of different global equity stocks and property funds and infrastructure funds and corporate bonds as well. So just keep yourself as diversified as possible, and also make sure you have a fairly long time horizon. So if your time horizon is less than two to three years, I wouldn't put money into the market. But if it's longer, then yes, I think there is scope to invest in stocks. Auction shares. Okay, and do, so is that what your kind of、um, most cautious kind, cautious kind of asset allocation would look like for someone wanting to beat inflation? I think the more cautious you are, the more bonds you would have versus equities. Okay, so I think you did mention, but what kind of return is the UK market offering at the moment, and just how nervous are you about that, considering where valuations are? So the income at the moment on the FTSE 100 is 4.3 percent, so I think that's very high, and you've also got the possibility of making a profit or a capital return as well. There has been a lot of, lot of talk about how expensive the index is at the moment, but I actually think because the income is so high and there aren't really many other places to put your money, I think that will provide ongoing support to the value of the stock market. Thanks, Rachel. Now, from UK equities to something much further afield, Jupiter is launching a new emerging and frontier markets trust with an estimated yield of four percent, and they say it will be less volatile than the emerging markets index.、Um, Rachel, what countries are we talking about when we talk about frontier markets? So they're defined in different ways by different organisations, but really it just means countries that are smaller than emerging markets. And to give you an example,、um, Argentina, Bulgaria, Romania, Nigeria—those are the sorts of countries that are considered to be in the frontier markets. Okay, and、um, I think many people would kind of think of those as higher risk, but we do hear that they're less volatile than emerging markets. Do you think that is the case or not? I think it probably is. So yes, they are much more risky because they are very small. Their economies are not very advanced.、Um, they don't tend to have many companies on their stock exchanges, and they don't tend to be very liquid. But they tend to move in different ways to the overall stock markets. So these days, because we've had so much globalisation, things do tend to move altogether. So if you remember back in 2016, the Chinese market fell quite heavily, and that caused stock markets all over the world to fall as well. But the frontier markets, because they are A bit more insular; they don't, they don't trade so much with the rest of the world. That means they are a bit more separate, and they don't move in the same way as the global markets. Okay, and so that's kind of different correlation. Is that a benefit for your portfolio too, in terms of risk? Exactly. So when we look to diversify portfolios, we look to buy types of investments that aren't correlated with one another. So if one thing goes down, the whole lot doesn't go down with it. We want things that move in different ways. Okay. Now thinking about frontiers, BlackRock Frontiers is one of the strongest performing investment trusts over one year、um, that does invest in frontier markets. What, what do you make of that trust? Definitely a great long-term performer.、Um, as you say, it's been great over one year. It's been great over three and five years as well. It does trade on the London Stock Exchange, 
So that does mean it is quite liquid and it can be a little bit volatile at times. But nevertheless, I think it is one of the best performing frontier market funds out there. And with frontiers, are, are you getting, is this a play on commodity prices or are there a lot of kind of other sectors and things you're getting access to? Depends on the fund that you're going into. So if we look at the types of countries involved in frontier markets, you've got Nigeria, you've got a number of Middle Eastern countries. So that means a lot of these economies are quite exposed to oil. But the BlackRock funds, um, it doesn't have much exposure to energy or materials. It does have quite a heavy weighting in financials and also, also consumer stocks. So just pick your fund carefully, I think. Okay. And, and how much do currencies play a part in the performance of these kind of things? Definitely worth bearing in mind. Um, but if you are investing in a frontier markets fund, you're likely to be exposed to lots and lots of different currencies, which will be moving in different ways. So I don't think I would be too concerned about the adverse impact of currencies. Okay. Um, now, emerging markets more widely have been having a bit of a renaissance, haven't they, since the start of 2016, I guess. Why is that? And which emerging markets have been doing the, doing the best or experiencing the best growth? So as we said earlier, there was a bit of concern about China towards the end of 2015. The Chinese market did come down quite heavily. That was due to concerns about too much debt in China. Um, but actually, those fears do seem to have subsided over the last year or so. So the market has come up quite a lot since then. And also around the time of the US election, there was some concern that Trump would impose quite heavy trading tariffs on China. But since he got into power, that hasn't really been mentioned a lot more. So I think the fact that it hasn't been mentioned has perhaps caused people to believe that maybe it won't happen. That's good for China. And therefore, China and other emerging markets have risen. Okay. And talking about Trump there, we do often hear that, you know, big risks for emerging markets are things like the movement in the dollar, things like movements in interest rates. What do you think the biggest risks are for them now? So the dollar is definitely a concern. So many emerging markets, including China, they do have a lot of their debt denominated in dollars. So as the dollar rises, it means the interest payments on those on that debt do get higher. And that can be quite difficult for them. We've also got the concern that Trump wants to move a lot of production back to the US. So that means potentially moving production away from countries like China. So that could be negative for them as well. We don't typically think of emerging markets as, as income stocks or, or kind of places to hunt for income, I guess. Um, but you can get pretty high yields from trusts like JP Morgan Emerging Markets Income and uh, BlackRock Frontiers too. Is there a reason it tends to be less common, though, to find income in these areas? Yeah, so the UK tends to be quite a high yielding economy. I think it's just a cultural thing. So when companies over here make a profit, they are more likely to pay out that money as a dividend rather than investing it back into themselves. Um, over in the US, for example, I think share buybacks are a more common use of excess profits. Um, also for companies that are growing more quickly, they've got the option to pay a dividend or they've got the option to invest that money back into themselves in order to fund further growth. And I think in emerging markets, a lot of these companies are at the early stage of growth and they need their money to reinvest back into themselves. So there tends to be less available to pay out as a dividend. Okay, well, um, worth having a look at some of those trusts that we've mentioned there um, and taking a look at their yield and keep an eye on Jupiter's new one. Thanks, Rachel. And now we are moving on. President Donald Trump might not agree, but climate change is happening. And one investment trust doing very well from investing in green energy is Impact's Environmental Markets. Now, I'm here with personal finance writer Emma Adjaman, who's been looking into this trust. Um, so Emma, what does it invest in? So it's a specialist environmental trust and it invests mainly in listed companies involved with resource efficiency and environmental markets. So this could be in areas such as alternative energy, waste technology, water treatment and pollution control. 
Okay, and it's been performing really well, hasn't it? Yes, it has. In fact, 2016 saw it deliver its strongest annual returns um, since it launched more than 15 years ago. Um, So it generated a share price return of 37.4% over the year, and that beat its benchmark, the FTSE Environmental Technologies Index, which made 21.9% in comparison. Okay, but you said the bulk of that performance actually isn't down to what it's invested in as much as something else. What is that something else? Well, half the trust increase um, in Ness asset value was due to the depreciation of sterling. So 95% of the trust holdings are in overseas companies whose earnings benefited from the weaker pound. So that was something that, that affected the trust. Right. And the bulk of the trust is invested in North America, isn't it? And um, Donald Trump isn't exactly the biggest cheerleader for uh, climate change prevention. Is that having an impact? You're right. You you might remember that Donald Trump, when he was um, on the climate, on the campaign trail rather, made quite a lot of climate sceptic comments, including the fact that climate change was a hoax invented by the Chinese. So it's definitely something that is an issue for, for the environmental markets. But when I spoke to the manager of his trust, he said that actually um, the cost of environmental technologies have fallen so far now and they don't actually rely on subsidies and regulatory support. So he doesn't actually see it having too much impact on the trust. And he thinks that some of the things that Trump plans to do could help the trust. Okay, like what? Well, um, his commitment to infrastructure improvements, um, in particular across water, transport and real estate, could benefit some of the holdings that the trust has. And what are the green technology areas that are performing the best in this trust and why? Well, in 2016, water infrastructure and technology performed very well for them. This was due to a number of reasons, but they said that it was due to recovering reconstruction markets in the US and increased municipal spending to upgrade old water networks. Okay, and what about anything that's not doing so well? The trust solar holdings were the biggest drag on performance and solar markets have suffered in the last year from oversupply, particularly in the US and China. And that was coupled with a slowdown in global demand. So it was a, a kind of double whammy of slowing demand and um, oversupply. Okay, Rachel, what, what do you think of green energy technologies investments? Are they, are they a good place to put your money? I think over the long term, yes. So I think within the next 10 to 20 years, we will see a shift towards those. But now that we've got Trump in power in the US, as you say, he is very anti-green energy and he is really encouraging an increase in the supply of oil. So in the short term, I think perhaps we will go back to depending more on oil rather than green technologies, which at the moment are a little bit more expensive. Okay, well, thanks, Emma. And thanks, Rachel. That's all we've got time for this week. More on everything that we've covered, take a look at the magazine. Otherwise, we'll be back at the same time next week. Thanks for listening and have a good weekend. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.